0: Well, good afternoon and welcome to Deep in Scripture. This is Marcus Grodi, your host for this program, coming to you to, from our small studios over here at the Coming Home Network International. Our guest today is Dr. John Bergsma. John, before we jump into anything, uh, why don't you summarize your, your work? Um, I've lost track of you, my friend, and uh, bring us up <laughs> to date here. We didn't, get, we didn't get much of a chance to talk for the program.
1: Sure, sure. Oh, well, I lose track of myself. Um, <laughs> but, uh, you know, for the sake of our listeners, you know, just briefly, uh, as you all know, Marcus uh, used to be a Dutch Calvinist uh, pastor, you know, Christian Reformed Church, um, came into the church back in 2001 uh, while I was studying for a doctorate at Notre Dame right. uh, after getting into reading the Church Fathers. Um shortly after finishing my doctorate and en- ended up at uh franciscan of Steubenville, where i've been teaching since oh four so it's been about uh 15 years if i'm doing the math uh yeah. correctly uh my wife don and i have um eight uh children uh that we're raising between the ages of 24 and uh six wow. um some of them with special needs as we were talking before the show and yeah Thank, thank God for His uh, strength and grace, and entrusting uh, us with uh, children that maybe need a little more love. I think yeah. that that's uh it's, it's own kind of blessing from God. Yeah. Um, my work, uh, you know, is is still largely teaching at uh, Franciscan. Um, but in the past uh, decade or so, I've written uh, eight books on various aspects of Scripture and the Catholic faith. Yeah. Um, uh, a series called Bible Basics with Ave Maria Press, Uh, recently an introduction to the Old Testament um, with uh, Ignatius Press, and in a few weeks, um, uh, Penguin Random House is coming out with a book called Jesus and the Dead Sea Scrolls, uh, revealing the Jewish roots of the church, or actually I think they phrased it revealing the Jewish roots of Christianity. Um, So that would be a big Uh, You know, uh, uh, event uh, when that rolls out. And I hope that gets into a lot of hands. And uh, I think it will really enhance people's faith um, because when you read the New Testament in light of Dead Sea Scrolls, you realize that the New Testament could only have been written in that window of Jesus' lifetime uh, because the language and the thoughts are so similar to what we see in the scrolls, which are, you know, largely from the lifetime of our Lord. Yeah.
0: Oh, that's exciting. I'm looking forward to that book, John, when it comes out. So that's neat. Yeah, that's really Yeah. Neat. And uh, Penguin Press is a very widely distributed press. So that's great. Right?
1: Well, I, I lost I, you there a little bit.
0: Oh, that's right. I was going to say Penguin Press is a, w- a very widely distributed press. So that's great in terms of getting that book out there into the hands of people. So, well, um, I feel extremely sheepish uh, with you as a guest on my program, because I'm certainly no biblical scholar, but it's it's a great privilege, John, to have you on the program and, and with your many books. And what we do in these um, episodes of Deep in Scripture is we're, we're sharing verses that are very memorable to us, important to us, and I know from your own journey you and I have a similar Calvinist background. And with our children, we have unique needs and, uh, and what the one thing of many things that you and I share besides our absolute love for Jesus Christ is our love for scripture and how important it's been in our lives. Um, and, uh, so what we do in this program, I share a scripture, talk a bit about it, then we'll share about it. Then we'll see here what scripture you bring to the table today. And then we'll talk about it and then we'll, let's put them together at the end and see what they say together. It's kind of fun. And, uh, I whenever I have to do this, because every week I've got to come up with one. Um, and sometimes it's hard for me to remember, but mine jumped out at me this morning when I was doing the office of readings. And <clears throat> the uh, today is a, that we're doing this program as the feast day of Saint Dominic and the reading in the aspect of uh, the back of the uh, for holy men. Holy Religious, the first reading was from, if I remember correctly, from Philippians. And then it had in the, the antiphons, reminded me of this verse. And yes, this verse is very important to me in many ways, but because of time, I'm just going to talk a little bit about it. What I want to draw our attention to do today is Matthew 24, 44. When our Lord, after that, you know, John, that whole long section when he's talking about the future, the kingdom, his second coming, all those issues, he says, therefore, you also must be ready for the Son of Man is coming at an hour you do not expect. Now, we could spend a long time talking about the end times and and the different understandings of that. There are those groups that that want to emphasize that all was fulfilled in the first century, or that those that are want to emphasize it what's going to come tomorrow, you know, and or we're going to get raptured out of this mess, or or some often will interpret the New Testament writers as if they were all mistaken. You know, they anticipated the second coming to be really soon and it didn't come. So that kind of underplays the trustworthiness of scripture. Well, they were wrong about this. Well, so what about? And I think all those kind of miss the point, because the way I see it, John, I'm excited to get your perspective on this, because you've written about the Old Testament, I think it's, I really believe it's important in our Catholic understanding of our faith and Scripture is to recognize that great hermeneutic of continuity between the Old and the New. And when we look at the continuity between the Passover and the Eucharist, and we see that as a central, there's a part of the Passover that we sometimes forget and at the passover they were always ready they were always watching that's why it was bitter herbs that's why it was unleavened bread is because they were on the edge they were coming into the promised land they were you know they they were looking ahead to this they were getting ready to go they were coming out of egypt and then moving forward so there was this readiness it wasn't this attitude of we've arrived it wasn't this attitude of now we can kick back it was it was: are we going to meet God now? And that hermeneutic continuity c- comes in with this verse is that an absolutely essential common aspect of the gospel that we've received from Christ is this issue of detachment and simplicity and watching and being ready every day of our life. And the context of this paragraph, as you know, John is he uses the example for as in those days before the flood they were eating and drinking and having a good old time and and putting all their money in investments and they just thought that the america was going to go on forever and then there's the flood and so the point is we never know they did not know until the flood came and swept them all away so will be the coming so will be the coming of the son of man to me this verse just reminds us of that call that 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 mystery of, on the one hand, yes, John, you and I, who are taking care of special needs kids, we've got to figure out <clears throat> how they can take care of their lives for a long time, but yet at the same time living every day of it as if it might be our last day. And I've always found that verse a reminder of that.
1: Your thoughts? Absolutely. Yeah, Marcus, that's... Uh... Uh, You know, just a fantastic uh, verse to be meditating on, especially as we're um, thinking about, um, you know, some of the the turmoil that's going on around us in church and society. Yeah. And uh, it reminds us that, um, you know, we're in the last times. We're just kind of perpetually in the last times. Um, It always, you know, kind of feels that way. I know growing up, we thought Russia was going to be it. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Apparently... Not uh, in exactly the way we expected, but there always seems to be these um, these signs of Satan's activity. And um, that uh, that sense of uh, that necessity to be ready uh, is always weighing upon us. Um, you know, especially as you mentioned, we're here on the feast day of Saint. Dominic, and I think even in his day, he felt, uh, that um, you know, history was coming to a close, and there it was. You know, the hand of God was on his life uh, to start a renewal that would prepare people to see the Lord. Um, now, you know, history didn't end with Saint Dominic, obviously, and I, I just came for mass over at <laughs> a church named after him up here in Youngstown, Ohio, and uh, it was uh, such a blessing to be there on his feast day. And uh, to see, you know, after uh, so many years, uh, however, you know, many centuries it's been, you know, his legacy is still there. But um, he established something lasting, uh, ironically, because he felt the force of, you know, the imminent judgment. You know, he felt like the time was short. <laughs> and sensing uh, the time was short, he, he founded something that has lasted a long time. And, um, you know, I, I think that, uh, that really comes home to me this day that uh, you know, we feel in, in the midst of all this turmoil, which feels very much like the end times, we feel like nothing that we do matters and um, maybe we should just give up and throw in the towel. Uh, but in fact, you know, we're called to be ready, waiting, expectant. And that is how the Lord uh, sometimes motivates us To take those uh, steps of action that we need to to prepare for future generations of the church.
0: Yeah, that reading this morning from the feast day of St. Dominic was um, uh, from Philippians, where he talks about being in the race, and it's like we're getting close to the end of the race. And, you know, when you're getting close to the end of a race, you're getting awful tired. And, and maybe frustrated, and you're about ready to give up. And he's saying, no, you, you, you've stuck with it this far. You don't give up. And I was another scripture that hit me a couple days ago was Sirach chapter 2, verse 1, that says, my son, if you came forward to serve the Lord, prepare yourself for trial. I mean, if if you accepted by grace to follow Jesus, expect trials, and that's what we've seen for yes. two thousand years in the church.
1: Yeah, you know that's what Dominic was. We definitely a- have, yeah. Not not only from outside the church, but trials from within, and, and uh, as we know, many of the saints uh, uh, were even persecuted by the hierarchy, and. Um, yeah. Uh, we think, oh, that never would never happen again. Well, it can happen again. <laughs> uh, there can be confusion and dissension, and sometimes that's that's the supreme trial. Uh, but we know that those saints who um, who bore with it and uh, accepted that opposition and didn't break off and become schismatic like like you and I used to be, <laughs> Marcus, uh, but uh, yeah. kept communion even when uh, those those kind of uh, Uh, persecutions from within uh, were were coming down. Those saints really left us that lasting legacy and uh, that's why we honor them. Um, but, uh, But yeah, absolutely.
0: And so every day we wake up in the morning grateful this day. This is the day the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. This is the day we were given. And now we also kind of said, you know, this might be it. And what kind of an attitude, watching and be ready it, it, it's very interesting to reflect on that, and you know, just an example: Is there somebody I, I need to say I'm sorry to? That I've been putting off forever. Is there something I've been putting that I might regret? There's a lot of things there, growing in holiness, being loving, maybe getting breaking away from greed and whatever. Anyway, there's a lot of things there. All right, John, that's great. Let's. See, what do you got for us today? What's your verse?
1: All right, so my verse is the first Bible verse I ever memorized uh, from my Sunday school teacher in the chapel of the uh, Navy base in Groton, uh, Connecticut, really New London, Groton. There's these twin sub-bases on both sides of the Thames River there in Connecticut and uh my dad was the one of the base chaplains so he's the command chaplain but anyway however that all falls out but make a long story short uh so i'm in elementary school and uh, i have this teacher that uh uh at the military chapel you know we come in for sunday school and scripture memorization is her main method of catechesis (laughs) and uh, she started off with a very good, good verse about memorization that uh, that itself stresses the importance of committing the word to memory and that's psalm 119 11 which i learned in the king james version and uh, <laughs> it's always stuck with me and i don't like any other version of it uh you know the, the king james if it was good enough for saint paul it's good enough for me yeah right so um psalm 119 11 thy word have I hid my heart, that I might not sin against Thee. Oh, yeah. um, and you know, Marcus, you know, I, I memorized that when I was maybe eight, and now I'm 48. And it has not lost any of its relevance in uh, four decades. Um, an eight-year-old uh, uh, needs to know God's Word in order to avoid sin. And a 48-year-old yeah. needs to know God's Word uh, because uh, our sinful tendencies, uh, you know, remain. It's just the sins become more uh, complicated, devious, and expensive. <laughs> so, <laughs> oh, <laughs> temptations, right. etc. cetera. So, um, thy word have I hid in my heart that I might not sin against thee. The, the sense of the scripture, Marcus, is... is that one meditates on the word of god in order to so to speak straighten out the soul Um, you know i I think of the image of say a woman who uh you know is is trying to detangle her hair you know and and so runs that comb you know through her i see my daughters doing this through the through the hair to get it straight and and get it uh, ordered right and um we could use that as a metaphor that the word of god you know is is that calm that kind of detangles our soul and we kind of run it through and run it through and run it through try to straighten that out and that's that process of meditation uh, and memorization is an important part of meditation because first of all uh, committing the words to memory is in itself a form of meditation and then thereafter once it's in our memory we can call it up in our mind and ruminate uh, on it. And uh, even rumination is a, that's a term we take from animal husbandry, yep. you know, from animals that chew the cud, they rechew their food uh, numerous times to kind of digest it and uh, get all the benefit out of it. And that's a great uh, image too. that we chew on and kind of suck on the word of God uh, uh, to, um, you know, get all the spiritual grace out of it that there is there. And so uh, thy word have I hid in my heart, that I might not sin against thee. And so the the you know the meditation on God's word strengthens us, clarifies our thinking, clarifies our affections, and protects us against sin. And uh, getting back to Saint Dominic here, you know, um, I was reading a little bit from the Magnificat uh, this morning about his feast day, and one of the things that um, that he and the Dominicans um, to organize their vocation around is uh, um, contemplation and then proclamation. And so, you know, part of the charism of the Dominicans is that the fruit of contemplation feeds their preaching, you know. Uh, but that, that it begins with the contemplation, and the, the contemplation is on the Word of God. And so Dominic would meditate on God's Word and then he would go preach. Uh, So, he's a great example of someone who hid the Word of God in his heart, meditated on there so he could avoid sin, but then so he could teach others as well. So, that that really seems to fit in. So, let me throw it back to you, Mark, to see how do you. Oh,
0: awesome. What do you think about my verse? Awesome verse. Awesome, awesome, awesome verse. Let me tell you what just came to my mind. It reminded me of our Lord. When he was uh, in the midst of the battle with the Pharisees, and who were who seemed to be possessed about eating issues, what you couldn't eat, can't eat, all this stuff, purification, and Jesus says that statement: It's not what you put in your body because that just goes out; it's what comes out of your heart. And he did talk about all the junk that comes out of our heart, so we need to purify that heart. And your verse, and we live in a day where it seems like everything on TV is about. Things we eat, or maybe things we put into our gut to get rid of the good, to get rid of the bad bacteria, so we have the good bacteria so our digestive I mean, it's obsession in our culture. But how how many people are worried about the word being put in to our heart? And it's interesting that the word is put into our heart that's a mess, so that our, what comes out of our heart isn't sin. I mean, that's what your verse is. You put right. you put the word of God in there, so what comes out of your heart isn't sin. And right. so much of Scripture is about a pure heart. Creating me a, a clean heart, oh God, or a new a right spirit within me. I mean, all all that wonderful stuff. And you know, John, when I think about memorable verses, John, I mean, even you talk about the value of always having the Word in your heart as you go out in the world. I mean, as a father and as a teacher and, you know, having that word always there that the Holy Spirit can use to awaken us, to to confront our conscience on issues. In a way, that's what he's talking about, right? Laid up the word in thy thy heart is forming conscience.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it's forming the conscience, it's forming the heart, and, um, you know, process of purification— um, and yeah, that's, uh, you know, you know, as you we were talking, Marcus, about, you know, this obsession on television with what goes into our bodies, you know, at the same time, the TV and most media is like, a you know, from a spiritual perspective, it's like an open sewage pipe yeah. Yeah, <laughs> that, yeah. that we willingly <laughs> turn on. And hear this moral sewage is flowing into our living room, uh, through these screens, um, and, and there's so little, uh, in, our, in our culture, Marcus, there's so little um, concern for feeding the soul or for the purity of what goes into our soul. Uh, so we think nothing of exposing ourselves in popular media, uh, you know, to this kind of raw, really crude sensuality that you see in, um, you know, music, videos, uh, the whole entertainment industry um nobody bats an eye about that but no you know hey but you got to be on this latest diet or you got to be vegan or you got to be gl- yeah. gluten free or you know or yeah. whatever you know you got to detox and etc so um yeah the word of god is that you know is that pure gluten free uh probiotic <laughs> uh non gmo uh <laughs> source of Spiritual food that uh, that you can put into your body, and and it purifies. You know, it de- detoxes from uh, from sin. You know, right. so yeah, great. And I, I see a relationship between our two verses. Let's, I'll let you have the go. first crack at it. Though.
0: Well, you. okay. Oh, I uh, I think if you will, if you put these two verses together, to me it says with your verse, do it now do it now don't keep putting off it's not enough to have a bible sitting over there holding down your coffee table it's not an, in my mind it's it's not enough merely to do the liturgy of the hours once a day twice a day that's fine or to go to mass on sunday that that reading the word should be a regular part of your daily life and often putting it right there the word in my heart because you never know the time or the hour
1: yeah, absolutely, and uh, I, I just see um, one of our uh, one of one of the major issues that we have to engage in as we're waiting, as we're expecting, as we're watching for Jesus to come is this need to be nourished on the Word, and this is how we keep our spiritual senses alert. Uh, this is how we uh, learn to recognize the signs of the times by knowing God's Word. Um, uh, having the word within us, having it purify our souls, uh, gives us this kind of spiritual awareness. It gives us a kind of a spiritual sightedness um, that uh, we're able to interpret, um, you know, the the activities around us in, in the world in light of what Christ says, and uh, see what the Holy discern what the Holy Spirit is doing and what Christ is doing through it. So. Yeah, the ma- a major component of that uh, alertness, uh, the readiness, uh, is meditating on him in his form in the scripture. You know, we talk about Christ incarnate, but then we can also talk about Christ inscripturated. And uh, ignorance of scripture is ignorance of Christ, as St. Jerome famously said. So while we await his second coming, uh, we can have a sort of parousia, a sort of experience of his presence uh, by... Meditating on His Word and and uh, bringing it within us. There's even a Eucharistic analogy here too, as we as we you know, celebrate the Eucharist daily, as part of you know awaiting His Second Coming. Eucharist is taking Him in within us, uh, but uh, there's an Eucharistic analogy to meditating and memorizing God's Word. It's a way of embracing and taking within us the Christ who comes to us in Word and sacrament. So. Yeah, I see a, a great uh, uh, harmony between yeah. uh, between these two verses here. Marcus.
0: I do too. And, and, you know, I'm nervous about making this analogy a little bit, but, you know, even as we tape our conversation, John, it, it just a couple days ago there were these horrendous mass murders in Texas and then in Ohio here, and then, you know, there's— three, four hundred murders every year in Chicago and and all over the place. Lots of things happen. And my point is, these people who, when they got up that morning, didn't know that that day was going to be their last. And and we always think, it's going to happen to someone over there. We see it on TV, it's not going to happen to me. So I'm not saying we'd be afraid about being murdered necessarily, but the reality is we never know when the Lord calls us home. And Scripture says very clearly that when we do stand before him face-to-face, we'll be held accountable for how we live this life we were given, what kind of steward we were, what we did, what we said, what we didn't do. We know that. That's clear. Um, so we we need to be ready. And as it says in Scripture uh, about growing in holiness, so we can stand before him without embarrassment. You know, one last thing that reminds me of, you and I came from a Calvinist background, John. We didn't think about all these things quite this way back when we were once saved, always saved type folk, at least that's where I was. But I a scripture that I didn't know how to deal with much when I was a Calvinist was Matthew 7, that said, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, shall enter the kingdom of heaven, but he who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. And and he goes on in that to say, that when we stand before him, he said, for some of them, hey, I never knew you. I never knew you. And that's what I think of the verse you've chosen is when we put his word in our heart, that's how, that's one of the ways we get to know him and he gets to know us is that intimacy.
1: Right. Absolutely. Yeah. It's beautiful. There's such a continuity there in, uh, In the gospel of Matthew of our Lord's teaching. You know, you're you're quoting from the Sermon on the Mount, which is towards the beginning of the Gospel, but your verse is towards the end of the Gospel. But you know, all through the Sermon on the Mount, you see that also that sense of needing to be ready, needing to um anticipate. Um our Lord teaches us in the Sermon on the Mount to live day by day, you know, sufficient for the day is the trouble thereof, you know, don't worry about tomorrow. And uh that Goes along with what you're saying about you know needing to recognize that each day could be our last. We don't want to live that in a morbid way, um, but at the same moment, you know, when we get up in the morning, uh, all we have is the present. You know, that's all we have to give God. Um, yeah. That's the only gift that we have. Uh, the future is not ours, and um, so there There does need to be in the Christian life the sense of living each day uh, with uh, uh, holiness and in communion with God, and being satisfied with that, and each day experiencing him and being content, not allowing uh, the present to be uh, you know uh, uh, ruined by fear and sadness about what may come in the future. Um, but being content to walk with the Lord and, um, you know, allow His Word to be that lamp for our feet, which is also in Psalm 119, Thy Word is a lamp unto my feet. Right. Um, you know, and those, those lamps back in those ancient times only cast a little bit of light, <laughs> you know, a few feet ahead. And oftentimes that's what it is, walking with the Lord. He gives us enough light for this day to see what is the right thing to do to follow Him in this day. And then just learn to to live uh, day by day with him, in a, in anticipation, of um, you know of his second coming. So this has been really rich, Marcus. This has
0: been great, John. Thanks a lot. Um, thank you for joining us on Deep in Scripture. I hope to have you back here sometime.
1: Absolutely. It's great and to spend time with you.
0: It is. What a great blessing. Thank you, John. And thank all of you for who joined us on this program. I hope our discussion has been an encouragement to you. God bless you. See you again next
1: week. Deep in Scripture is a production of the Coming Home Network International. To hear more episodes, view our full archive of written and video conversion stories, participate in our online community forum, and more, visit chnetwork.org. You're also invited to explore free membership in the Coming Home Network and receive support on your own Catholic journey. Again, visit chnetwork.org for more information.